Well, this morning I'm going to do something you're not supposed to do, which is have two different main points. <laughs> and so basically what I'm going to do is I have kind of like a half a message left on serve, uh, why did God make us to serve him, to be like him, and to be with him all our days. So I kind of am just going to review that. It's going to be maybe 15 minutes on that, wrap that up, and then introduce uh, for the second half question number two, um, which is what is God's word? And just kind of a review. Uh, I didn't bring the little first aid kit up here, but we're basically saying that we can't carry around the whole Bible in our mind all the time. And we have to have summaries. And so we can be intentional about that. You know, we can say what I've done for a long time is basically just pull little things that I remember and verses I've memorized and it wasn't very intentional or we could think well what are the really really important things that I want my kids and I, I myself want to carry around with me all day long um, kind of a theological first aid kit not something exhaustive but something that can help us in everyday situations and try and get the most important and useful things in there and so um, that's what we've been doing and the first question is why did God make me and the answer from a couple different verses, but from specifically from Luke uh, 1, 73 through 75, was to serve God, to be like God, and to be with God all my days. And we talked about that last week. The thing, you know, that if there's anything about last week that I want you to remember really is that all those things were purchased for you by Jesus on the cross. And we looked at those specific verses that... Jesus came to die for you so that you could serve him. He pulled you out. The devil was your dad. I mean, that's what he says, that everyone who's a slave to sin, um, that he, you know, remember he tells them that in John chapter 8 that their father's the devil, they're, they're serving him. But he's offering them to become children of God, to become servants of him. Uh, he's saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, you know, become a servant of God. And Jesus died so that you could do that. You could be a part of his kingdom, be a servant. Um, and not only that, he died so you could be like him, to wash you by his blood, to free you from your sin but all, and forgive you from your sin, but also to change you from the inside out so that you could be like him. And then ultimately to be with him, both now and forever. That was Those are three specific things that he died to accomplish for you. And... So that's kind of a summary of last week. In a way, we talked, too, about the Spirit and the different verses on that, how the Spirit, again, was given for all those three purposes. But today I want you to turn with me to start in Mark 12. Um, and really, I was thinking about it. This might have been the best way to actually start this question. I'm not sure. If I did it again, I think I might start here with what... what what we're going to say today, which is this. If, if God made us to serve him, to be like him, and to be with him all our days, there's a lot of things that aren't your purpose. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm going to talk about just briefly here before we move on to the next question. Um, Mark 12, 41. It's just this little story that's really amazing and encouraging. Mark 12, 41 Jesus says, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Which, pause right there. I mean, 
literally God is wa- God is on the earth and he's sitting there watching what people are doing and putting the money in the box. That's pretty amazing. Many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which made a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty, for she has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So, really, this is a parable of what all of life is like, really. this is Jesus is actually physically sitting there watching what these people are doing. But God sees all the time anyways. And he sees what we're, how, how we do everything, really. And this is his, God's view on, on what we do. It's that, the thing that I want you to notice here about this story is that God had put her in a specific situation and all he was asking her to do was to give what she had. He wasn't comparing her to the others. He was looking at her, her specific situation, her specific resources, her specific heart, and what she was doing, and he was pleased with that. And he specifically is saying, "Don't. we're not comparing these, right? We're not, I'm not saying this is less um, than the others. In fact, he's saying it's more. Because he's, he's, if you want to say it this way, grading on a curve. Or a better way to say it maybe is, he's looking at you specifically, and he knows your specific situation, your specific purpose, your specific resources. And he's looking at that. He's not looking, uh, comparing, um, the, he didn't compare the amount of money to the amount of money. He was looking at, what she was doing with what he had given her. And I think that's really important because when we say, what's my purpose? To serve God, to be like God, and to be with God all our days. What we're saying is that's your purpose, where you are right now, how God made you. And that that's not you comparing yourself to others. That's you where you're at, serving God, just like this lady. And God's pleased with that. If you're really wanting to serve God, to be like God, to be with God, you're leaning on Him, you're giving what you have, it doesn't matter you compared to anyone else. So it's really freeing if you really think about it. Because what what the world really says is basically that rich people are more valuable, right? And look what God says. Nope. That's not how it is. That's not what God thinks. When you serve God with whatever money or time or resources or um, try and be like him with all that he's given you, he's pleased with that. He's not comparing you to others. Another passage that's really similar, let's just flip there really quick, in in Matthew 25. This one's a parable, but it's it's very similar kind of the idea of it. So Matthew 25, 14. The parable of the talents. 
This is what Jesus says. He's, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. He says, it, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So he also had two talents, made two talents more. He who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But, this, but his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew I... You knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested the money with the bankers, and at least at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So this is kind of, there's a lot here, but I'm trying to bring out one specific idea that kind of connects with both these passages and this idea that we're made to serve God, to be like God, and to be with God. And it's, and it's this, that that means that you're entrusted with the talents that God gave you and that we could, not just the money God gave you, but we'll just expand it out to basically everything God gave you. It's not, God's not going to look at just how we served him, but or, you know, were we trying to be like him? And we already know that being with him is pleasing to him too. So it's all your time, your mental energy, your focus, your everything. God has entrusted to you, and it's, he's kind of summing that down into a parable. And so I want you to notice in this passage how he says the same thing exactly to the, to the five talent and to the ten talent and to the two talent. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. doesn't matter what God's given you. What, maybe you got a 36 on your ACT. Maybe you got a 17 on your ACT. Maybe you never took the ACT. Maybe you've got a bunch of money in your bank account. Maybe you have no, mon- no money in your bank account. Maybe you're you know, super busy. Maybe you've got a lot of free time. Maybe you're good at this one thing. Maybe you're not good at another thing. Whatever it is, God has made you, however he's made you, wherever he's put you, the situation you're in, serve God, be like God, and be with God, and you'll be pleasing to him. Not you compared to others. Not you compared to your dad or your mom or anyone else. Just you. God sees what you're doing, what he's given you, 
And if you're using it for him, he's pleased. And that's really, really important. He sees you where you are. And he sees what he's given you. And so, one thing I think that happens, especially it seems like with teenagers is, and probably with all of us, but it seems especially with like teenagers, is you feel really, really down because you're not the thing God didn't make you to be anyways. So I'll give you an example. Um, if you're a teenager, um, a lot of times how you look is super, super important to teenagers. And there's guys and girls who feel terrible because they're not the best-looking guy in the class or even um, they don't look like you know, people on TV or you know, a thousand other things. They're, or even their sister or, or brother or whatever. And that's wrong. God's not looking at you and judging you based on something he didn't make you to be. God made you to serve him, to be like him, and to be with him. And he put you right where you ought to be. And he made you just how he wants you to be. And you can be pleasing him with what he's given you. It's like looking at the guy with ten talents and, and looking and seeing God only gave you five talents. And you think, well, I better not, just, I better not even try. I mean, I'm not, I can't be like this guy or I can't be like that guy. I'll just bury my talent. That's the one way to mess up, really. I mean, if you use what God given you, think about this. Everyone who tried to serve God, every one of these servants who tried to serve him heard the exact same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's pretty encouraging, really. Wherever God put you, whatever resources he's given you, he's put you right in the right place to serve him, to be like him, to be with him, to please him. And so, really the one point I want to just say today basically on this serve him be like him be with him is what that means is there's a million things that that god is not judging you on and so you shouldn't judge yourself on it right he's not judging you looking on um how your brother did right like my dad his older brother was really good at things and so every class he he was in a small town he grew up in a small town and every class he got into the teacher would say i know you're not trying you're James Turner's brother. And they were all, I mean, can you imagine the pressure? They're totally different. And, and if you meet my dad and, and my uncle, they're totally different. And he was just living under that. That's hard. Every single year, you're, I know you're not trying. You're James Turner's brother. Well, one, it's like, you just feel bad about yourself, right? I mean, if it's basically you're saying like, yeah, you're nothing. You're not, you're not, if you did your best and then they say that to you, that's just heartbreaking. But we can do that to ourselves, Right? And we don't want to do that. There's a million things that people can put on their own shoulders that God's not asking them to do. God's not asking you to be somebody else. God's not asking you to look a different way. God's not asking you to have, uh, uh, you know, read faster, read more, remember more. If you, if you do what he's given you to do, you can hear the exact same thing as whoever it is, maybe if you're comparing yourself to them. You should, one, quit, but you can hear the exact same thing, but you've got to just focus on where you're at and do what God's given you to do where you are. There's a verse in Acts 13, 36 that kind of summarizes this. Um, it's about David. It says this, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep. David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep. He's saying that, one, 
Every person, wherever you're at, has a purpose. God has a purpose for you in your generation. And when that's done and you die, that's it. God's got something for you to accomplish right where you are. And that's going to be your story, my story, right? You can put your name in there. When it, when, um, when, insert your name, after he or she had served the purpose of God in his own generation fell asleep. That's going to be the reality. Um, there's a lot of things that David didn't do. And there's a lot of people that, you know, he remember he wasn't as good looking as Saul. Remember that? <laughs> I mean, the reality is, where you are is where God wants you to be, and you can, you can do what he wants you to do. It's kind of like another parable would be like a clock, okay? Like, ha, have you ever seen an actual clock that has like um, gears, a uh, mechanical clock or like a, a clock that you wind up? You know, if you look in the back, all these different gears are moving. They're all moving different ways. Some of them look like they're not moving at all. Some of them are moving really fast. And some of them don't move except like once when you wind it, like once a day or however, however long. And the reality is, that's the way God made the world, right? He made you totally different than he made the person sitting next to you. But he put you exactly where you ought to be to do exactly what he's wanting to do in the world. And if you look at the person next to you, you may be like, wow, that, that gear is moving so fast. And it looks like, if I look down, it looks like I'm not moving at all. Well, the reality is, God put you where you are. Um, to do what he has you to do, and that may be totally different. And in fact, in, in a clock, if you if the gears thought like we did, and they tried to do be something God didn't make them to be, and do what the guy next to them was doing, they may end up messing it up, right? And it's like, wow, you're the hour hand, and you're trying to keep up with the second hand, and suddenly the clock's not not working right. And that's really encouraging in terms of God has a purpose for you. And we talked about what it is, to serve him, to be like him, to be with him. That's going to look different for you than it's going to look for uh, the people around you. Be encouraged. But one thing, don't, don't judge yourself based on any other criteria you know, that God hasn't put on you, um, comparing yourself to others or, or anything like that. But there's one thing that you, you really, really cannot do according to this parable. It's give up. Do not give up. Don't think, ah, what, I've only got one talent. It's not going to make any difference. That's the wrong thing. That's like the one thing you can do to mess up. So whatever talents you have, whoever you are, whatever ways you know, um, God has made you to be like him in a certain way, to be with him, to serve him, don't, don't bury it. Don't give up and think it's not going to matter anyways. When I look at these other people, they're, you know, they, got, they can do this, they can do that. I'm just going to give up. It's not going to matter. That's wrong. That's the one, one way you can, you can end up losing your talent is just saying, I'm not going to do it. I don't, you know, whatever that is. And, um, and I wanted to encourage you in that because whenever you say, this is why God made me, what, what, what you're saying is you're cutting out all these other things that he didn't make you for. And that's, that's helpful because those can get pushed on you from parents, from society, maybe from your own internal, internal thoughts. And... Um, I don't want you to live under that. I want you to live under something that's actually freeing, which is God died. He gave the Spirit so that you can and will 
Serve him, be like him, and be with him. And it really, really matters for every single person here. Every, every single one of you. So that's, um, that's kind of the wrap-up of why did God make me? To serve him, to be like him, to be with him. All my days. And that's every day. God's got a purpose for you every day. You're here for a reason. Um, don't bury it. Don't think it doesn't matter. So let's move on. I'm going to move on. Kind of an abrupt transition. So, like I said, this is like the way not to really do a sermon is to split up into two. But the one positive on this is that I'm going to introduce this question and answer to you this week. And that way, maybe two weeks from now, we're going to be gone next weekend, but two weeks from now, when we kind of cover it again, maybe it'll be a little bit easier to remember because you've already been exposed to it. So really, that's all I'm going to do right now for the second half of the message is just teach you the second question and let's just look at the verses where it's coming from and then we'll talk about it in more in depth next time. So here's the second question. Um, what is God's word? Okay, what is God's word? And here's the answer. I'll read it a couple times. It's got four pieces, but um, they're all kind of pictures, so it'll I think it'll be memorable. Okay, what is God's word? God's word is bread because it feeds us. It's a mirror because it reveals us. It's a path because it guides us. And it's honey because it delights us. And if you just, if you kind of remember, one of the things I said when I was doing this is I'm trying to make it to where my three-year-old daughter can understand it, remember it. And so that's why some of these are, I mean, if it seems extraordinarily simple, well, it is. But um, I hope that is actually helpful. So what is God's word? God's word is bread because it feeds us. It's a mirror because it reveals us. It's a path because it guides us. And it's honey because it delights us. I'm going to read it one last time and then we'll go through all the pieces. God's word is bread because it feeds us. It's a mirror because it reveals us. A path because it guides us. And honey because it delights us. So let's just look at a couple here, verses on each one of these. First, God's word is bread because it feeds us. If you turn in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, there's going to be kind of a lot of turning again. But so I want you to see where I got all these from the scripture. So this is Jesus when he's tempted in the wilderness. He's actually quoting Deuteronomy here, but... Matthew 4, 4. Jesus answered, he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's another passage. I won't make you turn here. I'll just read it here. Um, it's from Isaiah 55, very similar idea. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me, hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David." Why do you eat that which is not bread? What's the alternative? Listen. 
Listen to, listen to God's word and come and be filled with what is good. Delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come. So God's word is bread. Bread because it feeds us. That we can't, we can't make it through life physically without something coming in from the outside, right? We need food. We need, you want, if you want to say bread, we need bread. You can't live on your own. If you stop eating and you think, I'm self-sufficient. I don't need anything. I don't need anything coming in from the outside. I've got it. You're going to starve, right? God made us such a way that we need outside input to keep going. Uh, we, we are not self-sufficient. And it's the same is true spiritually. You could have physically all you need, but without spiritual food, you're dead. And, you know, Jesus says that he's the bread of life, you know, in John chapter 6. And it's so closely tied. In many ways, Jesus is so closely tied to a lot of these things we're going to talk about. Because the way we feed on him, the only way we know Jesus is through his word. That's how it has to start. And so there's a lot of facets to this. But what I want you to think about is this. Do you daily feed on God's word? Just like you need daily food, you need daily spiritual food to live. You know, there's verse, another example is Psalm chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. It says, His delight, this is a righteous man, His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law He meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. For us to have life, we feed. And that kind of gives you the feel of daily, constantly meditating on God's law day and night. God's word gives us life, and we need it every single day. And so, do you treat it like that? Do you treat it like that for your kids? Because think about this. What if you feed yourself every day, but it's like, yeah, well, I, I, fed, I feed myself every day, and then... When I remember, I feed my kids. It's like, oh, that's not good, right? It's like, that's God's word too, right? It's like God's word, your kids need it just as much as you do. you know. And if they're lost, um, they, they need it. They still need it. And we can every day be pouring into them, even if it's just you know, 15 minutes or 10 minutes before bed. Here's, here's a story from the Bible. What can we learn? How can we... How can we grow? How, what does God want us to learn from this? We want to feed ourselves, and then, you know, part of the reason we're doing these questions and answers is for our kids. We want to feed our kids every day, too. If you're weak, you know, you're feeling weak, and, like, you're not going to make it. You're, you're spiritually weak. You're, maybe you're, you're down. Maybe you're just, you're just not getting through. Are you eating? You know, just in the same way as if you didn't eat, you would start to feel faint, faint-hearted. Are you eating God's Word? Are you feeding on it? It's bread because it feeds us. We need it. And there's real food there. There's real life there. I mean, think about the food that it is just to know Jesus, just the things we know about Jesus, that He loves us, that He died for us, that He cares for us, that He hears our prayers. I mean, what food for, for each day for your soul? Okay, that's the first one. Uh, the second one, okay. God's word is bread because it feed us, feeds us. A mirror because it reveals us. 
So we're going to go quickly here to, um, through these. James chapter 1 is where this one is, if you want to turn there. And as you turn there, I might just say, there was a lot. I, I, wrote, I tried to think of um, different uh, way to cut this down, and there was great ones that I had to cut out, like God's Word is a seed, you know, and God's Word is a sword, and it's a light. There's so many good ones, you really could have made this 9 or 10 long, but we just can't remember it. And so, that's part of the idea of the first aid kit, is you can't get everything in there. You're trying to get as much in as you can, that at least you can remember. So, when Joy and, and I worked on this, four seemed about to be the limit. And um, even once we got to four, the order started to get like wonky. It's like honey. She likes honey, so she usually says honey first. But anyways, so I had to cut this down uh, just to four, it seemed like. So anyways, this one, God's word is a mirror because it reveals us. James one twenty two through 25. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hero forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So this is specifically saying the word of God is like a mirror. And when it, you look into it, it reveals who you are. You don't want to look at yourself and forget and it not change you. You know, you go look in the mirror and it's like, oh, I got, you know, have you ever done this where you put sunscreen on? It's like, oh, yeah, I got it all rubbed in. You look in the mirror, it's like your face is totally white. <laughs> it's like, it'd be like looking in the mirror and, oh, wow, look, I got sunscreen all over my face, like, and then turn around like, oh, forgot, totally forgot. Um, God's word reveals us. It shows us who we are. When we look at it, we don't want to just look and read and hear and nothing be changed about us. It's just like in one ear and out the other. We want it to show us what we're like and, and it changes us. It's, that's what it's saying. It's when you hear it, it's not just hearing. It's changing who you are and how you act. Right? You, you're being formed and shaped. And if we think about it like bread, you know, this gives a different feel than bread. Bread feeds us, but bread doesn't um, physical bread doesn't transform your character, right? This is the mirror part is saying that God's word is transforming. It's not just maintaining your life, although God's word maintains your life, but it changes you daily, right? As we look and we read, it's not just uh, more information. It's just the same bread I got yesterday and I can go on and I'm the same person I was yesterday. It's more than that, although it is that. It does give us life. It does keep us going. But it does more. It transforms us as we read it. We see who we are. We see something different. Um, week to week, day to day, month to month, year to year, we want to be growing more in the image of Christ. We want to be leaving behind things we're holding on to that we didn't realize. Wow, uh, I didn't realize I was holding on to that. I need to let go of that. Um, I didn't realize this was in my heart. Well, I didn't realize that this would be a better way to love my neighbor that I'm not doing. You know, all these things. There's an opportunity for you to be different tomorrow. And the reality is, is I think every single one of you wants to be different, right? Can you think, think of the ideal self, like the person that you want to be. If you think about, think about Jesus, right? I want to be more like Jesus. There's a way. 
There's actually something that you can be day-to-day shaped and changed, see who you are, see where you need to grow, and and be given practical things, I mean, to do and, and to be. And that's what God's Word is. It shows us. And you know, it's hard. It's not... Eating bread is really pleasant. And, and the Word of God, eating it, is pleasant. There is spiritual food. But then there's this other piece to it that is kind of hard. Right? It's like, you're not only being fed, but then you're also, at the same time, you're being convicted. It's pleasant. It's life-giving. And yet, it's, it's, it's challenging and transforming. And so we want both pieces. We don't want just, I read my Bible today, check. It's like we want to be changed. We want, um, I think I shared this just as kind of a, just a side personal thing. There's a, uh, a verse in Job that's been really helpful to me and convicting to me where Elihu says why Job did the wrong thing, basically. He says Elihu's anger burned against Job because he justified himself rather than God. And I was thinking about that, and it was really convicting me. I felt like a mirror, you know? Like, it felt like it was a mirror. Like, look, this is what you do when trials come. You start saying, well, yeah, but I don't treat other people like this. Justifying myself. (laughs) Rather than saying, God's good. Even though this is hard, God's good. He's got a purpose. Totally different feel. And it gives people totally a different... um, One of them is encouraging to people, and one of them is a bad example, (laughs) And even if I do it to myself or even if it's, you know, something I say, it's like constantly there's things where you'd never expect it that show you, you know, this is something you need to work on or this is, this is how you are or this is how you can be. Just constant. God is so faithful and good that um, he's given us so much in his word that we can be changed So let's, like I said, I'm just going to kind of briefly touch on each one of these. But So God's word is bread because it feeds us, a mirror because it reveals us, a path because it guides us. So this specifically comes from Psalm 119, uh, verse 35. 119.35. It's similar to a mirror it's a it's but it's different it's it says lead me in the path of your commandments for i delight in it lead me in the path of your commandments for i delight in it there's another there's another one in Psalm 119 that's similar. It's a little different. It compares God's word to a lamp on our path. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Both getting at a very similar idea. And to kind of contrast it, bread feeds us. It gives us life, Okay, maintains us for the day. A mirror shows us who we are. It can like show us, wow, I'm not the way I ought to be or this is how I could be, but I'm not. But a path is a little bit different than that because it's giving us the way forward, right? It's saying this is the way to go. How should you live your life? Where should you go? What should I do in this situation? God has given us in his word help. It's like this is the way, walk in it. Go this way. 
I mean, there's a lot of different ways we could talk about this. First, it's a path to Christ, right? That's where we all start is it's pointing us right to Christ. We've got to start there. Go to, go to Jesus. And even Jesus says that, you know, in the New Testament. You search the scriptures in vain because you think in them you have eternal life. It's they that lead to me. So it's a path to Jesus first. We come to Jesus in faith, in repentance, in obedience. We trust him. We're a sinner. We need forgiveness. And yet, it's not just a path to Jesus, but it's a path to, that we walk the Christian life. It's a guide. I mean, think about how good news this is in difficulty. I mean, in difficulty, you have, you have a way. God's giving you help. Uh, I'll give you an, another verse from First John. It talks about, it talks about basically fighting with uh, evil, fighting with the devil. This is what he says in First John. I write to you, fathers, because you know who him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Think about that. And you have overcome the evil one. And what does he say right before that? And the word of God abides in you. You've got difficulties in your life. You've got difficulties in circumstances, difficulties in evil that, you know, is around us all the time. How do we, how do we move forward? We've got, we've got guidance. We've got a path. God is going to help us. And his word will help us overcome the evil one, overcome the world, will help us guide us what to do. Even just like Lance's thing was a great example. There's, there's a lot of things going on in life. How do I handle when I meet new people? How do I handle um, different things? Well, we want to be gentle. That's what, you know, we just had a, kind of a good lesson. Like, well, I want to be gentle like Jesus. Well, look, it's like a path. It's like, here it is. This is the way we can do it. Watch how Jesus did it. Listen to these verses and start walking this way. And so that's, it's really encouraging because, well, one, like I said, we can't hold all this in our mind. I, I mean, I can't. I mean, a lot of the Jews, you know, did memorize big portions of this, um, which was, which is amazing that they really did that. Uh, but for me, man, I don't have um, the whole Testament memorized, you know. Uh, but you know what I do have? I've got the Bible. I've got a path. When I don't know what to do, when my, when my toolkit that what I do know runs out, I can go back here and I can search and I can find and I can ask. I can ask other people, do you know any verses that relate to this? You've got help. For whatever difficulty you're in, God is, wants to help you, whether it's temptation. Think about, um, I think it's 1 Corinthians 10.13, that might be wrong, but I think it says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. God will give you a way out. I think I missed a part of it, but God will give you a way out. He's faithful. A way out from under it. God's going to give you a way out. God's, God's going to help you. You've been, given, you've been given a path. You've been given a way forward. So we want that every day. Which way am I going, you know? Uh, God, where, where am I going today? How do you want me to handle this? And so let's move on to the last one. So God's word is bread because it feeds us. It's a mirror because it reveals us. It's a path because it guides us. And it's honey because it delights us. So in Psalm 119 again, 103. 103. Psalm 119, 103. 
Your words are sweet to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Your words are sweet to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. This is an important one. Again, there's shades of it in some of these others, but it seems so important. If we want to really get the most out of God's word, it's, it's not just that we eat it to give us life, right? Because you could say, well, God's word is like Brussels sprouts because it feeds us, right? It's like, well, I'll eat it, but I don't like it, you know. Or some of you maybe do like it. Or, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what else. Um, liver, yeah, okay. God's word is like liver because it feeds us. It's like, well, <laughs> you could have liver. You could have the idea of the bread feeding us or some food that you don't like feeding us and a mirror revealing your flaws and then a path forward and you hate it every day. That's bad, right? That would be miserable. But God's word isn't like that. It's like it's delightful. Each one of these pieces is a delight, right? Even in the hard things, it's a delight. I'm glad when my flaws are revealed. Think about it. Because what do I want to do? I want to stay the same? Like, I've got problems, right? Like, my life isn't the best that it could be, for sure. And whenever I'm complaining, like the example I gave about Job, whenever I'm trying to justify myself, either in my own mind or to someone else, um, I'm not living an abundant life, right? I'm missing out on trusting in God, and I'm missing out on encouraging that other person instead focusing on me. And that's not good. Uh, That's bad. It's robbing me um, of the life God wants me to have. And the life he's leading us in, the path he's getting us on, the mirror, the bread, it's all delightful. It's like honey. Honey on our lips. And there's actually quite a lot of references similar to this. But think about, just let's think about this, the great delight that we really have in the Bible. I mean, it really is delightful. It's not easy. It's actually pretty difficult. Like you're searching, you're, you read it. It's not like a normal fiction book where you read it and you know exactly what it means the first time you read it and you just keep going just like that. No, it's like you read it and then just think about it and you read it again, think about it, read it again. So it's not easy, but it is delightful. That um, takes a lot of thought, chewing, digesting, but it's so delightful. Think about some of these verses of what it says about um, God's word. I'm just going to read you a couple. These things I have spoken to you, Jesus' words, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That's good, right? I mean, the Bible, that's really amazing. God gave you the Bible and specifically some of the verses that Jesus spoke in the end of John for your joy. I mean, nobody, everybody knows joy is like honey, right? Joy is good. Everybody likes joy. Nobody wants to be uh, lacking joy. What else? Uh, Romans 15.4 says that the script, whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. This is to give you hope. Again, just like honey. I mean, nobody says, yeah, I don't want any hope. <laughs> yeah, everybody wants hope, right? And this is here to give you hope. And that's actually really encouraging because it says all that was written, the whole Old Testament. You want to know what, what, why it's there? Well, that verse says that we might have hope. That's pretty encouraging. And so you may think, at least for me, it's like, okay, I'm reading the Old Testament and maybe I'm taking it in as bread and trying to look at it as a mirror and trying to look at it as a path, but it's really not a delight to me. I'm not delighting in Leviticus right now or whatever you're reading. We want to push through. 
well, is there a hope that I'm missing here? Is there something for my delight and enjoyment and um, that I can see God's goodness and delight in that, see um, hope for me in the future? I mean, think about all the stories of the Old Testament, how much hope there really is given to us. If God can pull Israel out of the Red you know, Egyptians on one side, Red Sea on the other side, then you can put yourself whatever situation you're in. I've got this on one side and this on the other side. Well, I've still got hope. Because look what God did back here. This is how, this is how God treats his people. I'm in a bad situation, and it's lasted 20, 30, 40 years. We'll look at Joseph. It's like, yeah, that was really bad and really long. But in the end, God had a purpose. He turned it for good. It's like there's still hope. Job, again, like, wow, how bad could it get? Couldn't get hardly any worse. I don't know of any story like the story of Job. And yet, there's hope. He wasn't lost. God didn't leave him even when he felt like it. And there was actually room for him to grow. I mean, God, he learned and he grew. And think about for his friends. <laughs> Joy and I were looking at her picture Bible thing. And it's got a picture of Job in there. You know, at the end, he blesses his friends. He lays his hands. God tells him to lay his hands on it. I never thought about it until I saw the picture. Like, can you imagine Job laying his hands on, on those friends who had just basically creamed him verbally, you know? And there he is. He's walking up to him and laying his hands on him and praying for him and blessing him. I mean, that's amazing. That would be hard to do, right? I mean, it's like when Joseph hugs his brothers and cries. It's like, you guys sold me into slavery, but I'm going to run up to you and I'm going to hug you. You know, it's like, Man, well, that's a lot of hope there, right? I mean, you've got some hard things going on. It may very well be the people that you don't want to run up and hug that you're there to bless. And there's hope. God may tell you, go pray for them. I can forgive them. Well, we want to live this out day to day, don't we? I mean, think about the... the um, Impact. You know, we talked about small groups. Well, what do you take in your theological, you know, um, first aid kit every day? Truths from the Bible that you really do apply every day. I think one that most of us, and I hope all of us, could say is that God's word is important, right? We all know that. It's like, man, I, I need this every day. I need it. I need God to help me. I, my kids need it. Let's be intentional. And let's press through, you know. I mean, the reason I, I like this answer is it kind of gives you a framework. I, I, I've been praying about it when I read my Bible. God, I want, I want to be fed. I want, I, want to be, I want you to show me. Would you please show me any sin in my life or any areas that I can be more like you, serve you better? Guide me. And don't let me stop there. I want to delight. Would you help me delight in your word? And... So I hope it's helpful to you day to day, helpful for your you and your kids. And you know, it kind of, you know, this whole series kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you guys like to read paraphrases. I really like to read like a paraphrase of the New Testament or Old Testament. Even when I disagree with it, I really like it. Because there was one paraphrase I was reading uh, of a psalm, and it left out steadfast love and some other word, I think maybe grace or something like that. And I was like, wow they really miss like some really amazing words. Like these words are so rich and wonderful. And so even though I disagreed with the paraphrase, it helped me, right? And so maybe this, you know, maybe this series for you could be helpful in that way. It's like, you know, I really think 
it should have said light or a sword or a seed, you know, which all things would have been good. I actually thought about all of those. But even if you disagree with it, it may bring up something in your mind. You know, I really do want to teach my kids this. And even if it's not what I said, it's something else. Praise the Lord. You know, use it whatever way you can. Um, even if it's something, you know, important that I missed or something like that. Um, so I hope it's helped to you. And let's ask the Lord to help us live it out this week. Why don't we pray together? Father, we do thank you that, um, well, that we're not, we're not, uh, that you put us where you want us to be and that we're, you've given us everything we need to serve you where we are. I pray you would, if there's anybody that's maybe is like just feeling totally under a weight of, um, from comparing themselves to others or just feeling like giving up, like they're just going to bury their talents, not making a difference or something like that. I pray that you would just encourage their heart, give them hope and um, assurance that you're with them and you're using them and you're pleased when they do, when they do go out with their talents and um, you're giving them just what they need. I pray you'd help. And I do pray, you just. I think especially for teenagers, just the pressure to look a certain way or score a certain grade or just all these different things where constantly comparing themselves to others. I just pray you'd um, free our kids from that, that they could grow up and just enjoy the life you've given them and be the people you made them to be without without that burden all the time. I just, um, I think especially of girls and I think of my daughter and other girls, I just have mercy on them, Lord, and just I pray that they would really see their values in you and not in how they look or anything like that. Um, we just hand that over to you and we trust you with it. And we do pray and thank you and praise you for your word that you've given it to us. What a delight and joy it is. Um, feed us this week, change us, guide us and help us to delight in all that we need help in it pray the same for our kids. I pray there would be real growth and that we want to see our kids saved and trusting you and loving you and serving you. Would you please use all this uh, time here and then time that we pour in as parents. Would you use that in their life and save their soul and use them for your kingdom? We commit the day and the week to you and we just love you and we trust you. Help us. Um, Give us hope and food and guidance this week when it gets hard. We need you and we love you. Amen. Well, we're dismissed.